0: This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Dune by Gale Force 9. Episode 123 Dune Learning the Emperor. Music by Brian Capillas. Hosted by Hunter Donaldson and Matt Martins.
1: Emperor, you're just playing as one you're him. dude. <laughs> you're shot, em. you're just the guy. You're, you're shot,
0: but, him. you're uh, you are potty shaw, emperor, shot the fourth.
1: Everybody else they play as a whole group of people, an entire family. In the case of the Fremen, an entire society. The Space and Guild is like a company, it's like you're playing as Apple.
0: You know, it's worth uh, noting that they've they do have a person to represent. Each of these facts, you know, when you, when oh, you are Atreides, yeah. okay, you sure, are Paul sure. Muwadib. When you are Benny Gesserit, you are Mother Mohayim. When you are yeah. Fremen, you are Liet Kynes. Ooh, bad rap. Uh, are you allowed to go past round six? I don't know if you're Leot Kynes. Wait, what? I don't get it. Because Liet Kynes, things happen to him in the book. Oh, sure. He goes sure, away. Sure, sure,
1: sure. Well, things happen to Paul in the book that doesn't really make sense. Why is sure. Paul with House Atreides if, yeah. like, where are we at in where the are novel? We in the- I would say the fiction really breaks down when you start thinking about it, actually, in these, in, in, in these ways. The fiction of the board game you're playing and the novel Dune. Yeah. Why is Paul the leader of House Atreides? He is a child, okay? <laughs> and at the beginning of the novel,
0: he's really just kind of a brooding kid. Kind of, I don't kind feel of, like the box got proper representation in the game. The box. Oh the yes, box that you, I stick my the hand. The fact in. that the
1: box is not in the game at all yeah. is a
0: huge missed opportunity. Is it, is it one of the cards, and we're just forgetting that the box isn't in there? That, it, that I don't it is? think it is. I, I there's nothing I just, to stick your hand in. That's a I shame. Think, that is a shame, and I, I make that makes me discredit this whole game. Yeah. I think there should be a card you play
1: on another person where they have to stick their hand in the box <laughs> that the game comes in. Right. There's a special and
0: slot in that you can close the box, but then there's the hand slot. Right. You get to put where your hand You put in. your
1: hand, and then something happens to your hand. Who knows? It just feels pain. <laughs> and then if it's too much for you, you tap out,
0: you lose. Right. I think that's how we should play Dune from now on. I'm glad, I'm glad that that's the way every single game of Dune starts, too. So you always plan to play a six player game and then you are always immediately out one player if they just if they decide they're not then you know they can't handle the box
1: yeah i will say the most recent dune video that we have on youtube is painful if you want to watch it there's a lot of pain in it specifically watch a single
0: 30 minute increment about the middle of that game and you will experience the box
1: ej's pain there we we both experience a lot of pain in that game um, but today we're going to talk about the king, mm-hmm. the king, baby, uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that like Duke Nukem, uh, <laughs> uh, the but emperor. yeah, we're going to talk about the emperor. Yeah. For some reason, emperor. the
0: only singular person I, I still, that is still wild to me, but let's, yeah. let's, uh, yeah, let's cover what, what the empire has got going on in this game, which No, the is emperor, not the, the emperor. emperor. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But, uh, first thing to, to just note to me is uh, not much on the card, huh? <laughs> not yeah, much text uh, there.
1: You pull up, you pull out the Emperor card, and it just kind of doesn't really tell you much of anything about. So I'm
0: supposed to rule everything, but all I got are four sentences. Is that what you're? Trying I don't want to
1: get too grumpy too quickly, but one of the most <laughs> important abilities that the Emperor has isn't no said. <laughs> isn't said anywhere. You can't even get Gale Force Nine to admit. Explicitly,
0: that it is an (laughs) ability that they have, and they had all the room in the world on the emperor's card. They are not lacking for space to fit the sentence that explains the ability. Actually, it's good that we're
1: bringing this up at the top because there there is a very key aspect of the emperor that neither me nor Matt feel very good about, and thus far has been confirmed to work the way we think it does. However. In their confirmation, it's still kind of ambiguous. Okay, they don't defiantly say, "Nope, this is how it works." So maybe
0: by the time you're listening to this, this whole you might have to throw this wrong, whole episode right? out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think they'll go back on this, but at the same time, it just doesn't make any sense. So let's hit up what what the emperor does yeah, have. Let, since sorry, they have I have very I'm, few I don't get words to uh, ahead of it, but yeah. like, yeah, let's do the basics. Um, the emperor at the start. Um, you have 20 forces in reserves. All of your reserves are off-planet. So you have nothing on the board. You're the only faction that starts with n- Zilch, Zilcho on the board. Yeah. And you have uh, 10 Spice, which is the maximum amount you can start with. So that's weird, um, right? That in In theory starting with 10 spice only offsets the fact that you start with no units on the board. So you're paying to get on the board no matter what. So I'm almost hesitant to say you start with a bunch of money, right? With any other faction, it's like, well, I start with a stack of 10 and then I have 10 spice. That's pretty good. Okay, sure.
1: You're being being needlessly rhetorical. Yes. Because that 10 spice you start with is just, that's just the beginning. (laughs) Um, Because you're going to make a lot more spice before you have to move any forces at all. Um, You are kind of... Like the Spacing Guild, a a money bags yeah faction. Uh, what are their leaders, Hunter? Not good. Uh, well, <laughs> not awful though. Is they got a six and a five. That's fine. And then a three, a three, and a two. Um, that to me they're kind of like the Spacing Guild, but with like a a decent at least
0: one heavy hitter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's kind of in the same vein of like these aren't these aren't great leaders. Yeah. If one of them ends up. Fail like I mean that's like you lose two of those guys and then you basically got nothing. Yeah. Um. So that's yeah. Rash. I don't
0: know. It's it's interesting. I, I would almost call them the they're like the median, right? I mean Benny Jesuit and Fremen freaking rule. Uh, Atreides. They're like I would almost put them on par with Atreides. Sure, but right?
1: Atreides has uh, a battle ability. Right. And, right. Well, right. Right. right, ahead, right. But, but just
0: just just from the sheer leaders value that mm-hmm. you know they t- sure. they add yeah, up to yeah, twenty yeah. and that's not horrible yeah it's Um,
1: uh, yeah yeah it's not bad i think it's overall kind of mediocre yeah
0: but uh they also have one free revival which is quite bad uh they they don't revive it quickly um but again you end up kind of flush with cash so maybe the the spice to revive doesn't hurt you so bad this this Mm -hmm. feels fine to me having only uh one free revival um but let's get into the few abilities that they do have hunter what's their what's their main advantage
1: uh, so I guess the first ability is called bidding. Is that right? Yeah, it is. It's just called bidding.
0: Yep, that's a weird well, name. I don't know. I don't. I can't decide if these are the names of the abilities or because sometimes it the name is only in reference to the phase that it's in. Like Atreides is bidding, movement, and battle. Well, the, oh, the, sure. But yeah. then, but then you get into Space and Guild, and everything is like a fun, you know, a, a fun name. Um, so they, there's no consistency with which they've decided to like name abilities. Yeah, but they, they so, have an alternate <laughs> rule when it comes to bidding.
1: Yeah, so their, their bidding rule is that much like the Spacing Guild's uh, shipping ability, uh, the players pay you instead of the bank when they buy treachery cards in the bidding phase. Right. Uh, which is like one of the earlier phases. So what's interesting about... Your spice start, you start with 10, and then you just make a bunch almost immediately before even anything very
0: important happens. Yeah, yeah. And that's their only base game ability. Uh, when we're playing the advanced rules, which, of course, all of these guides are, they also have Sardaukar, um, which are special units, sort of like last time. Uh, with Fremen, we talked about the Fodiken. Uh You have mm-hmm. Sardaukar. Your Five starred forces. Elite Stardegar have a special fighting uh, capability. They are worth two normal forces in battle and in taking losses against all opponents except for the Fremen. Your starred forces are worth just one force against the Fremen. They are treated as one force in revival, only one starter car force can be revived per turn. So yes. you have kind of an incentive to maybe spread your starter car out, or not not soak all of your hits on starter car because then you will get them back very slowly. But you kind of have like a super trooper. But then that's that's literally it. Those are our two abilities. Period. We have nothing else to to go off of. So and they don't work against the fremen. They're only worth one right. against right. Fremen. So you have so one of your abilities is only against four other factions. The other ability is just sort of a passive money making tool that you get and then you get nothing else. So, I don't know, right out the gate before we get into anything else, Hunter, is this is any of this good?
1: Uh it's it's better than it seems, that's for sure. Right. Uh, I do want to point out that the bidding ability I'm going to point this out because I'm going to get very mad in just a minute uh talking <laughs> about a very different rule. Um Whenever the Emperor buys a treachery card in the bidding phase, they pay the bank. Yes. Which that makes sense. You know, it's like maybe right. they wouldn't pay themselves. That would be stupid, right? Right. Right? Wouldn't that be right. stupid? Wouldn't that
0: be stupid to just pay themselves? Um yeah. also we should mention their Karama card. Uh the Emperor's Karama is that you may use Karama cards to revive up to three forces or one leader for free. So yeah. eh, okay, that's that's fine. Um uh, it's it's a way to come, have a little bit of comeback. kind of feels like a, a waste of a Karama card um, to I don't, just get well, a couple units for when you when you when when the cost of them isn't that much yeah. to you because you have so much money. Um, so my guess is Karama cards are useful elsewhere, but we say that almost every time and then like half the time we're wrong. But I, that, well, this, a lot I feel of the, fairly confident in it this time. The
1: generic Karama abilities are kind of more uh, economical. Uh, and so yours is still economical, basically. Right uh so i would say just overall not a very Kurama dependent faction yeah it's that's just not a that doesn't feel like a very big deal to me of course everyone's gonna say this is actually the biggest deal of all time right how could you i can't imagine you ruined my childhood you ruined my life <laughs> i hate you I, i'm not obviously people don't say stuff like that but yeah actually i'm gonna throw this note out as far as Kurama goes um emperor is I think the way I would describe emperor in a nutshell is they are a faction with a lot of money uh and they're just not that they're not they're not very flashy right mm-hmm. they yeah. we we've basically covered all their abilities and it's just kind of like uh money bags uh and that's kind of it yeah um so I want to call out specifically I feel like using when you're sitting in the emperor spot when I have a karama card I'm thinking about playing it on my opponents to stop them from using their, their abilities makes in key moments. Mostly because all the other stuff, it just doesn't feel like is very um useful for them. A lot yeah. of the, the other Karam abilities are like, oh like, you know, save money on three forces right. or a leader, like right. yeah. So your
0: advantage here could be shutting down someone else at a at a clutch moment, um, so that your not great abilities have a, a moment to shine. Right. Basically. Um, I I can agree with that. I mean, I don't know. I, I think in general we don't. I don't have a great grasp on like the always best way to use a Karama. I mean, the fact that you 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 may never even seen one means I don't even feel like it's worth building up much of a strategy around a Karama card at this mm-hmm. point. You know, you you just don't know what you're gonna get. So, but um, yeah, I I wouldn't use it for the free revival. But let's get into where this faction actually kind of comes online, which is in that alliance power. This feels mm-hmm. like. Um, where we can actually talk about what what we're gonna do in this board game, um, right? So your alliance is worded super weird, and we're gonna have it's gonna be a whole thing today. Uh, but you may share your great wealth with your allies as well as paying spice directly to the bank for the revival of up to three extra of their forces for a possible total of six during each revival phase from the Tleilaxu tanks.
1: That's good. So it's not great. That's not, not a that's great. I don't but think hey, that's enough we, to we be like, like it. The, deal.
0: The, the the fact that the game limits everybody to up to three and this is the only way to get more, that's pretty great. Uh losses are big. Everybody only has a total of twenty units, so getting six back is actually like a pretty good chunk of getting your forces back. Um You know what I think is so weird about this ability though,
1: um, is that this is one of those things. That you see every once in a while in a board game where you can help someone do something better than you can do it yourself. Yes, exactly. like you can help someone get up to six revivals. How come you don't have that power?
0: Right. Like it's very weird. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, but you know what? I I think that's part of it. And and their other ability, which isn't really actually worded here, uh, is is similarly better for them than it is for you. Um, but Mm -hmm. we have to break some stuff down here to, to make that, uh, work. Um, so the first thing about this ability is it says the whole thing about, uh, you may share your great wealth and it's actually worded differently between the rule book and the card, right? The, the, the card says something like you may share your great wealth with your allies by paying spice. And then this thing says, you may share your great wealth, uh, as well as paying spice so that you may share your great wealth is what tripped us up kind of famously in our learn to learn episode. right. Um, right. so the whole point to that is to say, you don't get to just hand money around willy nilly. Like we kind of thought, although you sort of can do that and like ally alliances work differently. Let's talk about the real thing that you get to do that is not even like codified anywhere, but is the fact that they had to FAQ how paying for treachery cards works as ally when you are someone's ally you can buy their cards for them right yes that's that's just part of a standard ally rule in the bidding phase they can pay for your cards but they had to kind of outline how this payment actually takes place and it sort of breaks all the rules of their game wide open. (laughs) So I'm just going to read it to you and then we will uh, analyze what, what it means. A player may transfer spice to an ally in the auction phase to use in paying for some or all of the cost of a treachery card their ally has won. They may transfer up to, but not more than, the amount of spice equal to the card's purchase price. The player gives the spice directly to the ally who then pays for their card as normal to the emperor or to the bank. As a bidder, you cannot bid more than the total of spice you have. Plus the spice that your ally is willing to give you to help pay for the card. That part where I slowed down is the key chunk. If you're going to buy a card for your ally, you hand them the five spice. And then they pay that five spice to wherever they're supposed to pay it. So in the context of you being the emperor, you give them five spice. And then you they give you five spice right back. so So what that cards for free if cards for free is what it actually means at the end of all of that it's such a messy way nowhere does the rules clearly say it but the whole point is when you are an ally with the emperor you can get free cards and especially you can get free cards because the emperor is going to get so much money from other people buying cards that the emperor can be like i bid 20 spice on that card i have 20 spice in my hand i bid 20 or or you can bid 20 right atreides is going to bid 20 um and then Atreides bids 20, they hand you 20, you hand them 20 right back. You got it for free. The sheer fact that it that they had more money than everybody else allowed them to get you that card for free. It's right. completely broken.
1: Yeah. It's uh yeah. It's <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's crazy stuff. Um, I mean, obviously the only real limit here is your hand limit. Right. Uh, but yeah, basically uh Emperor is super powered when it comes to getting their ally uh with a full hand of cards almost to the extent where like I dare say that some of the other factions would do well to just kind of like hang out until they can try and court the emperor right for you know what I mean? Like Wait it's for like a good Nexus, the only real limit do it here and then buy all the cards. <laughs> yeah, is like yeah, exactly. Like if if that would be the most optimal way to play it, right? Would be I don't get any cards somehow. I just avoid cards. Right. And then I get to play with the guy that just kind of has the game shark for, uh, <laughs> which I'm stealing your joke. Actually, you made that joke before. Uh, I want to so give they you have credit. the game
0: genie, the game shark. Yeah.
1: They have the game genie that just gets them cards for free. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously this annoys us. Right. Um, and I think what is frustrating about it is that to me that is such a, such a, Hook of an ability. Yep, that it's
0: strange that they're not more forthcoming with that aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. The fact that we have to like decode it is I mean, I I literally didn't realize it until popular Dune players explained it to me, because it's not just like so many other things in the Dune rule book. It doesn't say it anywhere. It's just that you have to realize that one rule on page six interacts with the other rule on page twenty-six, and that the relationship of those two rules is in itself an ability, rather than yes. just giving you what the ability is. It's the yep. combination of all of the things. You you have to read and grok the whole book. Ooh, that was fun. I got to say grok in a conversation about that's cool in our Twilight Imperium podcast. <laughs> we're we're hitting it all. Something something uh, Star Wars reference. Okay, we we we're we're we're, we're making our way through them. um so anyways let's get into uh which factions want this ability more than right who, who are we actually yeah. wanting to ally with uh hunter do you want to start us off with the the kind of what has become the boring answer
1: yeah so um something that we've kind of learned in doing these uh episodes is that benny jesserit really kind of overall is the kind of the de facto best ally right um for for most factions um it is just kind of the, like, the safety. Yep. So, obviously, that's going to be the first one we talk about here. Um, from their perspective, obviously, you can get them a great hand of cards. Right. Which, that's cool. Obviously, the whole thing with the hand of cards thing can swing wildly as yeah. far as how cool of an ability that is. Right. Uh, if somebody's got the space for it in their hand, if they can clean out their cards uh their bad cards to get like new good cards. Right. You're gonna be really helpful for them. But the that. whole
0: thing with Benny Gesserit and this will also apply later to Atreides, is getting cards for themselves impacts their knowledge ability so much more. Their ability to learn what other people have or or in this sense control what other people are allowed to play makes the cards in their hand more powerful which means the ability to get really good cards is kind of like amped up more than any other faction so for the Bene Gesserit yeah they want to get those free cards so that uh, they don't have to spend their money there and they also get enough cards to finally end up with a good hand so that now that voice is like fully hitting people as hard as it possibly can
1: I would also like to point out that with Benny Gesserit, obviously worthless cards are Karama cards in their hands, so they are kind of uniquely positioned to like kind of just cycle through a lot of cards because right. they, they get a worthless card. All right, cool. I'm gonna spend that now. You know what I mean? Like they're right. the only ones that can kind of throw the Karama cards around pretty wild. They can't get a bad card. <laughs> yeah, they can't. They can't really get a bad card. Um, they can get redundant cards, but not necessarily bad. Right. Um, and then let's talk about their. Sp- or from your perspective, you wanting the Benny Gesserit, which yeah. I think you want them a little more than they want you, depending Probably. on the situation when it comes yeah. to hand of cards. Um, voice plus your two solid leaders, which you can, because you have the voice now, uh, you can play a little faster and looser with them as right. long as we don't run into a traitor. Um, your money... Uh, and then the way that you're both kind of sneaky forces that that being uh, the emperor can just hang out in space and right. throw down a bunch of money and throw down a bunch of dudes uh, means a lot of surprise attacking like and, yeah. and you're pretty good at fighting now with the voice. I mean, right. basically, anybody's good at fighting if they're allied with Benny Gesserit. Right. Um, but Benny Gesserit kind of plugs a hole for you, which is like you don't have any abilities that make you better at fighting. There's right. no wiggle room for you.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a, an obvious case of you need their alliance more than they need yours, which I don't know. I haven't thought enough about specifically Benny Gesserit's perspective on all these things, which means when we eventually do the Benny Gesserit episode, I don't know what that one's going to look like. But because uh, we've said from everybody else's perspective, more or less, Benny Gesserit is always number one. Um so, I don't know. I, I think this one is good, but I'm also, like, not especially intrigued by it. Like, I, it just doesn't excite mm-hmm. me in a way that some of the other ones are going to excite me. Um, I think the fact that Benny Gesserit are all about this kind of, like, advisor's funny business and, like, them getting the rest of the units on the board in, like, a normal way is kind of funky um mm-hmm. puts them in a weird spot for me positionally now i understand that i think we've been kind of generally overvaluing board position in dune because so much of the game is like ah eh, you kind of can jump around a lot um but i i do think that that's the part of this alliance that feels weaker to me is yeah. like yeah the benny Gesserit really got to like make their board presence happen before the two of you can really pull off stuff up until that yeah. point it just feels like there's not really anything happening
1: yeah, I agree. And also early well it it I don't know. I think I think what would if 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 we were to do uh deeper strategy guides, yeah. eventually I think we would get to this point where we would talk about how do you try and court each faction yeah, to definitely. be specifically your ally. Um and I feel like the Benny Gesserit, it kind of depends more on how their game is going cuz you're the emperor. I mean, we're we're going to get to it uh later on. But I'm I'm really feeling like not landing on Arrakis at all. Yeah. Um, for the Emperor, I just think it's the best way to do it, and then you kind of wait to get an ally, and then the two of you go at it. Mm-hmm. So, if BG gets a hand of action cards and they're good, uh, whenever, <laughs> basically whenever. The first alliance opportunity comes out. You're not really what, how, what, how exactly are you going to help them? Yeah, you know, right. like what they're going to be looking table? at, uh, you know, they might even be looking at Harkonnen and being like, depending on Harkonnen's position yeah. on the board, be like, hey, the two of us, we're we're going to win some fights so handily, right. basically. Um, whereas all all you kind of have like the other thing too that is like maybe harder to figure out with Benny Jesuret is like, do they need your money? Like for shipping, basically. Right. Yeah. And I feel I'll, like that can go either way. Yeah. Like Benny Gesserit has like, they get to take Chome charity every round. So, like, they're generally not super poor, but they're not like, they're not like hyper wealthy like yeah, you space and Spacing Guild. They just are
0: steady, is what I would call yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I don't know.
0: It all makes me feel weird because, like, we already went over the fact that Emperor doesn't have a lot for themselves to offer, that then their alliance, you would think their alliance should be a lot to offer. And then in this case, it almost feels like you aren't really getting to offer that much. Um, Yeah. And and I feel like that's going to be kind of a, it already feels like that's going to be a trend with the rest of them. Let's, let's keep breaking them down and see if any of them end up standing out in a really meaningful way. Uh, Yeah. The Fremen, uh, the Fremen, uh, what you give them is that the cards are their biggest issue, right? For the Fremen, being able to get those cards so that they can really unleash their potential is is actually really important for them. Um because the rest of their economy, you know, they're they're not really paying to to drop units down. So as long as they can figure out their card problem, they they unlock a lot more potential. So the yeah. second now you two I will ally say up, the, you, you the, get to you get to start punching really hard.
1: Right. So what everything we just said about BG uh, as far as like, oh, but they might already have a great hand of cards.
0: Fremen right. more
1: reliably is not going to have a great yeah. hand of cards. They just have opinion. no money
0: round one, and so they, right. they they struggle with it round one. So then, if if you if there's a lucky nexus round two, or there's one in round three or something, that's when you could can jump on that opportunity because they really might not have been able to afford almost a single card yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, that is like realistic.
1: L- let's talk about. There's not that many ways. I feel like. Um, the early spice blow can really go down when it comes to Fremen. And obviously that's where Fremen get their money early game. Right there. There's, there's like three scenarios. I think there's one where Fremen and Harkonnen or Fremen and I don't know, like a greedy space and guilt Fremen and somebody else are kind of splitting it. Maybe even it's a deal. Yeah. Um, and that one Fremen's not gonna have very much money. Uh, then there's the one where Fremen lost a fight with somebody probably Harkonnen uh, now Harkonnen has the Spice Blow, but maybe Harkonnen sacrificed p- some position. and that one, Fremen doesn't have a good hand. Yep. Uh, and then there's just that very unlikely scenario that no one contests Fremen for Spice Blow. Right. Um, or someone did and Fremen won handily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in that one, yeah. They'll probably have the, In that one, they they'll probably any. have a card or two yeah. by the time the first uh, Nexus comes out. Um, but I just feel like that's the least likely scenario. So yeah. I think what's cool about the Fremen Alliance is that They probably do need your cards. Right. But let's
0: turn it around the other way. (laughs) What what does the Fremen do for us?
1: Well, all of their abilities suck. They are not (laughs) helpful to you really at all. You don't care about... Like, the Emperor is not some scrappy... Like, you have a reliable way to get money. You do not... The only places that you ever need to ship to are the Strongholds to win the game. If you're out scrapping for Spice Blow, you're you're just asking for trouble because you don't have... Those types of abilities, basically. I mean, uh, especially if and maybe if you're you're allied with BG, you could just kind of start harassing.
0: I'm not really sure what the value would be in that. Here's Uh, here's my number one argument from your perspective is the Fremen's abilities specifically counter yours. (laughs) And so it's like, well, might as well get in lockstep with them. So I'm not fighting against them because if I decide to fight against them, I'm going to lose a lot. Uh, so my only way to like curb that a little bit is to just get on their side i give them a little something that they want and they probably want it pretty bad and i have one less thorn in my side i think that is actually the main advantage you get from allying with fremen
1: yeah it's a little it's so not flashy though you you two are the least flashy like factions i feel like at the table um i feel like i like uh obviously i like bg better i think i like atreides better than fremen um I feel like you plug more holes for Atreides yeah. and also Atreides like helps you win fights. Right. It's, Fremen, it it's like, like you like guys are both. Fremen
0: just doesn't feel like a combo to me. That's the yeah. thing. It doesn't You're feel just like both... we've enhanced each other. We've just kind of like, yeah, okay. And now we can continue to do the things that we do. Right. You just don't get in each other's way, yeah. basically. Exactly. Because
1: you could. You could the other way around uh, because, because of Fremen, Fremen's potential. I feel like Fremen is like kind of the big dumb guy at the table. Where yeah. it's like they have this like raw potential energy that if it's unlocked by the right ally, right. they could go nuts. Yeah. If you're that ally, I don't really feel like it's going to get too out of hand. But that's not going to happen. Like it's an opportunity cost thing. Yeah. 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 Well, now Fremen's your ally, so there's not going to be any hijinks of Fremen trying to get in your way or ruin your day because you guys are working together. Definitely.
0: Uh, let's do spacing guild because um, this is the one that I think early on we gravitated towards really quickly, and we've finally been kind of stepping away from it. Being well, like, and we've eh. gotten so much pushback
1: from the community sure. saying that it's not very good. Yeah, um, and I think the only reason it's been good in our games, frankly, is like playing with a lot of newer people. Right, uh, it it, it, it's it better a lot of these things. Groups. Yes, because because the I money do-
0: feels like everything it can be really hard to have confidence in going for spice that's something i notice playing yes. with experienced players they're just like yeah gotta go jump on that spice have to with new players you're kind of like oh there's that spice should i go for it nah maybe mm-hmm. i won't and and like i'll see rounds where spice just sits there and n- nobody goes for it because yeah. like people are are just so afraid to go jump on it
1: and people like early on it's like harder for players to know like when is an appropriate time to start fighting each yeah. other? Like when, when, um, when do I have the cards that I need? Right. And also like, how do I know? How do I keep like, when do I, when do I have card advantage on somebody else? Yeah. Uh, all those questions. I feel like kind of, if you don't have solid answers to those, you kind of miss opportunities. Yeah. Um, but what's good about being allied with the space and guild is you both have all the
0: money. Yeah. I mean, and you both probably <laughs> have too much can't money. be discounted. Uh, cause it's, it's a lot. And, and then we've argued this before we argued it on the space and guild, uh, episode and it, it remains true of i don't think the advantage here is that the two of us have lots of money it's that nobody else has money we've yes. kept the money out of everyone else's hands and now we get to be more powerful that we want we aren't planning to spend all of our money between the two of us it's just the fact that we are building up such a stockpile that nobody else is getting access to that's yes. where the power comes from
1: i would say though that same idea works the other way Mm -hmm. with the factions that have good combat abilities, because now they're sharing with each other and you are left out on that. And the combat
0: is actually better at scoring the point of the board game and the money doesn't actually win you the board game. Um, I mean, I think think it can, (laughs) I think it can. It
1: just depends on like, I don't know. It depends on so many things that are hard to like, like kind of address here, but I could imagine a situation where, um, emperor spacing guild was good because they had money and no one everyone else was having a rough time let's say let's say there's a lot of fighting over spice blow and nobody's even getting it done like like a like there we've got people fighting over spice blow and they're they're not even collecting all of the spice so like everybody's like unusually poor uh maybe benny jeseret is just not getting it together we're on like round three. Space mm-hmm. and Guild and Emperor are the only ones with like hands of cards versus Harkonnen. Uh, but like I said, maybe Harkonnen's maybe Harkonnen swung and 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 missed. If if you've just got both solid hands and everybody else kind of sucks, maybe it works. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it 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 definitely doesn't have enough gas. I think to go. The distance yeah. to go into the late game he,
0: here's where i think it does okay and and maybe even in a late game scenario is specifically in if the like timing lines up just right which is to say um because you are the emperor and you just have all your stuff off board and you get to just drop that you have enough money to just ship them all at once when, especially if you're in that alliance with space and guild right you that that shipment is very very cheap for you um mm-hmm. you can be going earlier in the order and you can dunk on one territory. Right. Right. And you can just, lo- and, and it locks it off from anybody else. Nobody else is going to be able to get in there. Maybe you're, maybe you are already holding one other territory, right? With like five, some amount of dudes, but you take over the other one. Uh, and then the spacing guild gets to be. The late, you know, they get to stall out and be the last attack. I think there's like a timing thing that can happen between the two of you, where you can drop so many forces at once because you have the bankroll to do it, mm-hmm. and they're not—you're not trying to do stuff where you're like moving some and shipping others. You can just like boom, all of them all at once on Atreides. They're done for. I'm gonna take Arakeen right. for sure, right. and then when the Spacing Guild goes, they go lock down two more or whatever. Like I think that is the main way that these two factions win together is is just that like oop. We were just we had just the perfect turn order to like make two really good timing attacks happen
1: yes um i I think that the it's still all of this is true, and that and it's still potent potentially um I think there is a lot of meta against this play, though, yeah, in general Definitely. um Corbeck Jane specifically outlined like. Here's what me and other people do whenever this alliance happens, because it's pretty hated yeah. in the community. And I kind of see that it's it's a little blunt. It's kind of just like it is kind of cheesy. Um, and having like being playing as either Space and Guild and Emperor, if you ally with someone whose abilities complement yours rather than just kind of double down on the same advantage, mm-hmm. uh, I think. I think in the long run, you're going to win more games, yeah. basically. Right, right.
0: Um, yeah, so uh, it's it's lackluster over time, I think. Let's talk about what I think is maybe my new favorite. I think this is my number I one. Like one yeah. I like this
1: one, too. I like this one
0: This is Emperor and Atreides. So, um, obviously, with Atreides, we gain access to not only all the information they've been collecting, but their ability to to know one part of a battle plan. Right. And as we've already been talking about what the emperor lacks is a a battle ability and the voice is great, but this ability is pretty great too. And I think I, I, I'm going to argue that the knowledge of all the cards and then the ability to get lots of free cards, uh, is, is just like such a potent combo that, that excite actually excites me. This is the one that I get kind of juiced for. Um, Mm -hmm. so from their perspective, um, they they want the cards right they 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 need to get some to unlock the full potential of their own ability right knowing everybody else's stuff isn't enough it's like oh i need to know that they have this kind of defense and then i need to have the other weapon to take advantage of that so being able to quickly get like two weapons and two defense cards in their hand would be amazing so if you two can just buy out all the cards as fast as possible Uh, Atreides can start hitting very, very hard. Uh, The other thing is...
1: The two of you can just dunk on the bidding phase. Right. Like, it's
0: completely remake it. Add to that the fact that you can help them revive more things means... uh, We've talked about Atreides being a faction who actually kind of wants to just, like, start punching right out the gate and, and, like, maybe never stop. Um, And I think the Emperor's three extra revivals helps with that, right? The Emperor can just push for every inch of spice. Maybe they do lose some forces, but... You know they they can commit more forces and fight to win the eventual fight, and then quickly revive those forces and go again next round. And you can just keep hitting and keep hitting and keep hitting because you have great cards. You're not losing your leaders. You're just losing units and getting them quickly back. So I think from the Atreides perspective, it's it's really really good um, to have access to both. It's like the only time both of these abilities are actually like really really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And from your perspective, uh, I I think the best thing is just that. That information more than anything else. Again, the attack, the having the ability is good, but both of you benefit from this, like, okay, where do we, again, we're off planet. We're kind of waiting for our time to strike. We're the snake in the grass. And if we know which faction has a weak hand, we wait for the moment that that stronghold is weak and we just drop everybody there all at once. And we can pretty confidently go take a stronghold at any right. moment, basically. Right.
1: I want to bring up this this connection that Corbeck Jane made um, just because I think, I don't know that I agree with it, mm-hmm. but it was interesting and I had not, it had not occurred to me before. But Atreides and Emperor have something in common in that they're both allies that you could choose and then have a pretty solid reason for abandoning them yeah. later right. uh, with Atreides it's I ally with the Atreides early, they show me their, their special book, I learn all the things I need to learn, and now I can just leave them. With Emperor, it's kind of the same story with The Hand of Cards. So Corbrek Jane has actually suggested, and this is a little too meta to normally make it into one of our episodes, but I thought it was interesting. He suggested making a permanent alliance deal early with Mm -hmm. Atreides. Just saying, just locking it down, like, we will be allies for the rest of the game, and what they're both gaining is some trust in that.
0: Because the, cause otherwise, you the two of you really don't have a, a good reason to trust each other. Uh, and right. I definitely, I do agree with that idea. The binding deal stuff is always is weird in Dune. And I mean, I guess it's present. So yeah, you got to take advantage of it. But yeah, if you're going to do it, this is absolutely the main opportunity to do. Because I, I agree with the idea that after a certain point, the atreides isn't really getting much from you anymore you will continue to get stuff from atreides because you'll still have access to that combat ability Mm -hmm. um but a certain at a certain point atreides isn't gonna just like be going for spice blows all the time right so they're not going to be like chugging through forces and having to revive them um so i think that ability does kind of phase off a little bit but early if you get like a round two nexus i think atreides and emperor is like a top get
1: yeah i agree i agree uh, tell All me right. about Harkonnen. Uh, Harkonnen, Harkonnen's uh, fun, kind of weird. Um,
0: yeah, generally true th- of Harkonnen.
1: Yeah, from their perspective, uh, they probably need you if the early game has been rough for them. Obviously, they don't need you for cards. No. Like that's the no. weird thing about Harkonnen is most of the most of the reasons for people to ally with you really just has to do with getting those free cards, and that the Hark- the Harkonnen don't care. I will say um, it doesn't
0: hurt, right? To get sure. double the like to double up on cards for free, that's pretty cool. But again, yeah, it's it's not like they're like dying to get that ability. It's just like, oh, that's a that's a decent enough a be- benefit.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think. I think what's more useful for them is the three, the extra three Definitely. revivals. I, I agree with that. Uh, Harkonnen is probably the most likely faction to scrap early with somebody. They have reasons to maybe want to scrap early against Atreides if they're feeling really spicy. Right. Um, they have they have definite reasons to want to scrap early with Fremen. Um, yeah. And depending on how that has played out, maybe they have a little like. Maybe they're in a position where uh, they need you as far as like, I've got like too many guys in the tanks yeah. and if you can help me get back online, I can be really fierce. Um, Now the problem with that is, well, they kind of only need you if it's a rainy day. So like, why, why go for it? Yeah. Um, I think uh, the potential of Harkonnen more has to do with, did they draw the right traders for this to be a really spicy surprise attack from the two of you. right? Um, So that is a, that's a very specific thing. Harkonnen to me is kind of similar to what we were saying about Fremen in that it's not very fancy allying with them. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like positionally where are they at? Yeah. Because like Fremen, they're good at fighting. Um, They don't get the, they don't get the same benefits that Fremen gets from you. Um, so I don't know, it just kind of to me this one there the end point with emperor when it comes to allies I think is basically like you can't really go wrong here. Yeah. Uh it's not like some of the other factions we've talked about where there's at least one where it's like I don't know why you would ever do this yeah, one. Yeah. Uh and even so or even to the point where I would say, like, it's actually kind of middling all around. Yes. So it has a lot more to do with, like, where is Harkonnen at in their game, right. basically.
0: Right. It all, it all, like you said, Hunter, y- you are, as Emperor, kind of just looking to get an ally as soon as the first nexus comes up. And it's the moment that that nexus actually comes up. You look at the board and you see who's doing well enough where the two of you could could take it to the next level. Right. It's yes. It has just so little to do with what abilities are you actually getting and everything to do with at what point in the game did that first nexus occur and who's who's a willing participant with you. And so mm-hmm. just jump on it like you, you can make a strategy work with everybody. Uh, you just have to like choose what that timing looks like, you know, or, or know what that timing looks like. Um, yes. So, Hunter, we have the we have the big question we then have to answer which is we start with everything off the board. Uh, when do we put that stuff on the board? (laughs) When does, when do we join the conflict on Arrakis?
1: I really like sitting out until basically I have an ally and a lot of money
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: hopefully cards. Hopefully I have a solid hand of cards, uh, and I don't have any like crummy, like worthless cards that I need to get rid of or something. Um, and you know, I've got a good attack, good defense, uh, I have an ally. And then I kinda think once I get an ally, we make some sort of play. Yeah. Like for the win, basically as soon as I get an ally. Because I've got twenty dudes off planet ready to go. Uh so I that's that's what I mean a lot with the like when it comes to getting an ally, I think it's better to wait and see. Right. I think you're gonna have more more fun. And win more games by just being like, okay, I'm just going to stay out of it at first. Let's mm. let the other players squabble over things right. and maybe, you know, see which players have early, um, you know, early defeats or maybe kind of down on their luck. Yeah. Um, you can make calls to be like, you know, like with Harkonnen, we were kind of talking like, oh, okay, maybe you could like bring Harkonnen back from the brink yeah. if that makes sense. Right. Um, and I think those are the types of situations uh, you should be making. You could also do something different. I mean, round one, you could attack. You could attract. Uh, not I wouldn't attack Carthag. Like I wouldn't no, go. Right. I wouldn't fight Harkonnen early, but you could maybe fight Atreides early if you had a good bit of bidding. Bit phase. Crazy,
0: but you could definitely do any of the other. CHS. I mean, Fremen's going to have not ended up somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. If they followed our Fremen guide, the whole freaking like left side of the board is probably fairly open. And right. You could just go sit on, you could just pretend you started at one of the sieges, right? that's. I think sure. that's really common in early plays, too. Round one, the Emperor it just player, makes you player feel is like, oh, to look, have an empty point. stronghold. I need to have one. Let me go, yeah. let me go there. Um, but I definitely agree with the idea of stalling it out as long as you can, purely from the perspective of that thing of you can watch everybody else take losses, and if you're not on the board, you can't have any leaders killed and you can't have any units killed. Um, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have money. You're going to have a stockpile of cash no matter what. You can get lots of money, or you'll have enough to get you on the board, so it doesn't really matter. Um, So it's nice to be able to wait out and just see a couple people get taken down a peg through unlucky combats or something, and then join once everybody else has weakened. But the sooner you get on the board, the sooner someone might decide you're a target, and they might decide to do something about you. Um, And you aren't... So because you aren't a faction that relies on spice for cash... There isn't any strong reason for you to get on the board until you are ready to make a strike at winning the game, right? Yeah. You it doesn't matter if you only have two strongholds unless you can get the third or the fourth in alliance. So, don't go holding don't don't go taking strongholds that might be difficult to hold later, right? Yes, you just want to yes. take it and that be the end of the game more or less. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um that being said, if you feel I, I just want to throw it out there again. If you feel confident yeah. that you have card advantage round one, yes. I, I think it's fair to say that going after Spacing Guild or Arakeen, look out for that as an opportunity because yeah. that could really, that could, you could, you could knock them potentially, out of the yeah, really mess up, especially Atreides. And, but it would have to be a situation where you feel that like I drew the right cards, yep. It doesn't matter that Atreides can like See use other, right. Yeah, like that they know what I have, it's going to win regardless. Maybe it was a greedy Atreides went for a spice blow and now they're just they just don't have enough people left right. on Arakeen. If they didn't to really get if they didn't it. buy a
0: single if they couldn't afford a single card that first round and they had like a bad luck going for a spice or something, Arakeen could be very weak and you could jump on it. And I definitely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. and that's what you're looking for all game though right i mean we're just applying that same logic to round one but the general truth is someone did something bad and it hurt them to where now there's a weakness on the board that there wasn't before go jump on it so the whole point is just that that can apply round one as well and you should look at round one and see if maybe that's also a good time to go jump on somebody or mm-hmm. somewhere um yeah so i yeah. think that is i mean that snake in the grass approach is the biggest thing but what are what what is what is weak about any of this um I think the biggest thing is, uh, and we talked a, bit, a little bit about it, but I want to say it applies to all the alliances, which is just that, like, if you don't make it that kind of, like, binding deal alliance, like Hunter was saying, all of your alliances are actually kind of very uh, weak past a certain point. If, yeah. if, if you help them fill up their hand of cards, your three revivals isn't enough for them to keep you around. Um, right. So if you are relying on allies for a win... Uh, and you don't have like a binding deal on your alliances, that is a weak position. That is a scary proposition um, to have because at any moment, they'll, they can and probably will drop you.
1: Yeah. It's weird to me that the Emperor is the faction that can help uh, other factions out if they have a lot of dudes in the tank mm-hmm. or uh, people in the tank. Uh, but you yourself... If you get in that situation, there's no one you can turn to. So, I mean, I would say that being the emperor and losing a big fight is even more of a problem than it is for other factions, basically.
0: Um, The other thing, too, is unlike Spacing Guild, who um, people have to ship to the planet all game, like that's just how people can win is to get the units on the planet. And so Mm -hmm. that consists throughout the entire game. So Spacing Guild is always making money. You will stop making money at a certain point. People will get their hands like hands are not very big. And so by, you know, around six or seven or so, people can start to be filled up on cards uh, and you will just stop making money. So planning out to have the money that you start with, like you get a lot really quickly and you don't need to go just like spending all of it in round three because you will actually find that you might stop making money. And now you have to find a way to like survive the rest of the game on uh, as little cash as anybody else is successful at getting, right? Like the goal is actually to hold on to that money. And again, wait for just the exact right time and then spend it all at once or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, if, if you, if you attack too early and it doesn't work out, that money can dry up. It is. It, that, and that's just an important thing to be mindful of is like, Hey, my money isn't permanent. Like it is with spacing guild or right. with Fremen going for spice. Like Fremen can kind of reliably get spice whereas yeah your 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 very very good money just isn't reliable, you can't lean on it all game,
1: yeah, 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 and i think uh I think that's it, I think yeah. that's what we got for the emperor, um kind of a it's weird, it's a faction or it's I think we both like the emperor, yeah,
0: um but generally it, 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 underwhelming I would say yeah and I, I, would I would say that thematically too honestly like in the book it's yeah. not like the emperor excites anybody right they're just kind of right. in the first book at least they're just kind of like uh, they're there sometimes they show mm-hmm. up all of a sudden in like a in a major way towards the end and then that's that's it that's the emperor anyways moving on like and and I just feel like that's kind of how what I get from them in the in the game as well Is like everybody else is like very very much actively doing stuff and the emperor in the first few games, it felt like this like completely unstoppable hurdle. But mm-hmm. then, as everybody in the group gets better, they sort of stop feeling very powerful, and they just kind of feel like, okay, well, yeah, the, the emperor is there, and maybe this is a game that's good for them, but probably not.
1: Okay, we've got Samarada mm-hmm. for uh, the Fremen guide. Uh, this is from Corbeck Jane, who practically, <laughs> practically <who's> basically... <laughs> helped write this episode and the last yeah. one.
0: And I mean, he's without being on the show is is. Yeah, the third member A huge of Space influence. Dune Peace. Yeah, d- yeah. You know, mouse. <laughs> Whatever. Wait, what did you say? Sp- Space Dune Peace Mouse. You know? Oh, okay, Peace Mouse. Peace okay, mouse. cool. Sure. Um,
1: I'm terribly sorry, guys, but it's not just that you don't pay the guild when shipping outside of the within two spaces of the Great Flat area. It's that you are completely unable to ship outside of that area. The only exception is that you can ship
0: cross-planet if you're allied to the guild. Right. So what does this mean, Matt? What does this So last with? week we talked about Fremen. This is something that we sort of, through implications, made it obvious that we were getting this rule wrong. But I won't say that anything we said in the Fremen guide um, so drastically goes against this ruling that it ruins the guide or anything like that. But And in fact, you were kind of aware of this rule, and it was just me that didn't understand this. Uh, I just I,
1: didn't catch when you were saying
0: misstating things yeah yeah i Um, i
1: didn't catch it because yeah i i knew that this is how it worked
0: so i was i at one point was basically talking about the idea of like okay so you go to you go to a lot of spaces for free and then when you have to you go jump on somewhere else and that's technically true if you ship to the edge and then move there right but like there's still a limit to that and i in my head had it that i could also ship to the really far away stuff if I wanted to. And so Corbeck Jane is making it absolutely clear to me and all the other listeners who were confused by me or also just had the rule wrong in their head. But like the Fremen are restricted to that half of the map. It's a right. pretty wide area and it feels really good to ship there for free. But it is also a detriment that you don't get to literally ship at all anywhere else. That That is where you have to go and that's the end of the story there. So- See,
1: I, he, I actually, I remembered why I was confused about, because I thought that, when we talked about where you can start mm-hmm. as the Fremen, we mentioned this right. rule. I thought because that's the whole reason that we were talking about um, how False Wall South right. was the good place to start because you can't ship there. Yes. Um, so, but maybe maybe when we when we made that point in your head, you were like, "Well, yeah, you can't ship there for free." That was the. Exactly Whereas in my, my head, I was like, "Well, you can't ship there." Yeah. So that's you in my head. Well it was like, a,
0: "Oh, it's way worse to do it." Any other time, so you might as well do it now. And yeah, the real point was no, no, it's literally your only time you're getting there during a shipment. Um, right, so, right, so very, very good to go there. Um, so yeah, that's that's the main errata from last. Week. I guess the only thing that was like kind of breaking <laughs> what, what should be happening, but uh, Hunter, we also have lots of tournament updates to do for our yes, Twilight Imperium yes, tournament. Yes, yes. This is the really wacky part of the show that we get to have some fun. So, again, uh, worth bringing up that all of these presentations were written up by our field reporter space lawyer so thank you so much again space lawyer uh collecting all the data for us uh and writing up these basically plays of the week um so that uh it saves us a little bit time on figuring out what in the world happened in all these games it's actually quite a lot of work to get all of the conflicting accounts of one particular game (laughs) together Mm -hmm. to then get a better picture of like what actually happened so hunter uh, can you give me that game 29? Is this the one that you hosted? Is, yeah, is this game is the one I, moder- yours? I Yeah. I
1: moderated this game. Um, so the tagline for this one is a story of arms dealers, trade triangles, and a prolific dreadnought sniper. Uh, the winner of this game was Mick Moose. Uh, congratulations. Uh, he was playing as L1Z1X in Lil Brudder. Whoa. Uh, big yep. Lil
0: brother win. We don't see too many yep. of those. What is Got that? Got like the heart a of a third? champion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, here we go. The start of this game was defined by a divided galaxy. On, the, on one side, the L1Z1X Mine Net and Lil Brother called in Hakon in Speakeasy and Isarl in Turtle's Paradise to a three-way secret conversation convincing them to form a trade triangle and to coordinate strategy card picking in round one. Hakan took trade and refreshed L1 and the Isaral but could not resist to also make a deal with the Ghost in the Best One. Isarl was able to snatch the Custodian with a lonely carrier, and L1 started hot on the tech game, having trade goods from the Trade Triangle Coalition. Getting Sarween and Cruiser 2 round 1, using the Blue Skip on Thibba for Grab Drive round 2 and Super Dreads 2 early round 3. In the meanwhile, Hakan. Using his trade goods from the from trade to build up a huge and scary look little bump. that was that was a mess. That, <laughs> that sentence was a mess. He got lots In, of money it, though. And yeah, got a big fleet. He got lots of money fleet. and built a big fleet. On the other side of the galaxy, Yin and Ghost got into each other right from the get-go, fighting verbally as well as with plastic on the board. <laughs> uh, Hakan acted as an arms dealer, feeding the ghost war machine with free refreshes. Hakan took trade for the first three rounds and a support for the throne swap with the ghost. In between space conflict on one side and the trade triangle on the other side, the lonely necrovirus started well with warfare round one, but then lost literally every single combat until round oh four. My oh my God. It was so unlucky. It was so, <laughs> un- I, I promised I would bring up how unlucky he was. Yeah. It was, his roles were ridiculous.
0: Which player um, was that? Who, who was this? uh polyphony polyphony requiems no lingo timium tree grass aisles fan
1: uh i think it was timium okay it was timium or tree grass i i was getting them switched around because they're both t names and they were sitting right next to each other um so, yeah, lost every single combat uh, until round four without killing a single unit to get tech. Wow. L1, yeah, real bad. L1 wanted to take it, ad- and not his fault either, too. A lot of times it was just like, this is the Pretty right terrible risk, yeah. and then the the dice just said no. Wow. Uh, L1 wanted to take advantage of uh, the ongoing conflict between the clones uh, and the ghosts and convinced the Krius player to give him the IFF that enabled him to take Aranam Mir from Yin and SCORE found research outposts. The L1Z1X trade network continued the deal-making in the mid-game by swapping Ceasefire with Hakan and swapping support for the thrones with Isarl, both as part of a planet swap deal. With both flanks secured, L1 successfully attacked Mechatol and immediately reinforced it with both A Rise of a Messiah and frontline deployments. While the Ghost still tried to recover from his conflict with the Brotherhood, the Yin player seeks an alliance with the necrovirus and tried to swap support for the thrones with them but the virus refused to do so in round five l1 had the first opportunity to win starting the round at six victory points he played summit at the beginning of the agenda phase because nobody picked leadership L1 was the only player with a sufficient amount of command counters round five.
0: I just want to say that set agenda phase, but summit is strategy phase. I don't want to get that errata. Anyways, keep going. (laughs)
1: L1 set himself up for a swing round by picking Imperial and was helped with that plan by the Yin player who sent the huge van to attack the mine net which leads to L1 scoring Destroy Their Greatest Ship to move up to seven VPs. After popping Imperial and scoring the Mechatol point, as well as as a stage one public objective, L1 sits at nine points and a really good chance to win it this round by scoring either Intimidate the Council or Form a Spy Network in the status phase. L1 kept stalling until everybody passed, then used his last command counter to move a single Dreadnought, instead of two dreads that he also could have done, adjacent Mm. to Mechatol and in the range of a lonely Necro PDS with plasma scoring. Guess what? Necro scored two hits and destroyed the Super Dread, as well as the L1's opportunity to score and win. To make the situation even worse, L1 realized that he had played too many action cards to stall and is not even able to score form a spy network this round. Uh, Actually, I'm going to add something to this. Um, He got confused and i i totally get his confusion um in tts uh all of the action cards that have multiple like like uh direct hit yeah, and yeah, skill retreat yeah. um he he had morale boost too and oh. for some reason in his head and he, like he realized like when he started throwing his cards out that he had made this that this was such no. a silly mistake, but in his head he was like, "Yeah, I have two morale boosts." It <laughs> says morale boost two, this is like, like a stack. Like it may, he yeah, thought maybe yeah. in the code seriously, of TTS seriously. he had a stack. And, of two And and it boosts. was like it, the, he was kicking himself. Yeah. And I totally I so get the sad. like that's this kind of stuff. That's my just brain like a does TTS thing of
0: like you don't know if you're not familiar with the system or whatever. Yeah. Those little yeah. things can trip you up.
1: Yeah. All right. In the meanwhile. Yin successfully takes and holds the H- Hakon's home system using a flank speed after the shared research agenda uh, opens up the nebula that protected the space cats before. The Hakan's effort to retake his home system fails, and Yin is able to score Conquer the Weak. Which, this brings the game into round six with both Yin and L1 at nine VPs hmm. and Isarl as Heard well one in striking oh, distance. <laughs> at, yeah. Uh, so Isarl has seven points. Isaral picks Diplo. Yin tries to pick Imperial for an action phase win, but is publicly disgraced by Isarl and Mm. ends up choosing Warfare instead. L1 goes with the lowest initiative order possible for him picking last, uh, which gives him construction. Mm. Uh, With now having the five action cards to discard... The only one who could win before L1 is the Asarl, and the goblins made an effort to do so. First, they tried to invade the Yin's home system through the wormhole, which was placed by Krius IFF at the beginning of the game, playing both a flank speed and an in-the-silence-of-space, but were stopped by a sabotage from L1. With two scorable, I assume status phase, um, comment by the editor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with two scorable secrets in hand, the Sarl then tried to score intimidate the council by moving a dreadnought and a fighter in the same system where L1 was shot out of the sky by the Necro artillery. Mm. The Necro snipers once again, roll two hits. Wow! The Sarl sustains their dreads for the first hit and are immediately punished with the direct hit by the, by the Necro <laughs> that, that leads to a killed fighter and no Sarl ships in the system in an in a last effort, the Asarl tried to attack the Necro Home system through the Gravity Rift with three ships, but the Almighty Rift ate them all, destroying the Goblin's dreams of ruling the galaxy. With nobody else able to make game-winning moves or stop L1, the L1-Z1-X Mine Net wins by discarding five action cards in the status phase. So it was essentially, in the end there, it's like L1 made this uh, critical mistake, yep. and then... Was okay. <laughs> they kind of all just goobered each other up. Right. Like it. I mean, the. I will say the the moment where L one, um, played sabotage, on the uh flank speed and in, in the silence of space, mm-hmm. uh, is very key. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is and a good I, play.
0: I mean, that's that's an yeah, important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's super interesting there that Necro had all the bad luck in the beginning of the game to screw theirs over and then had all the good luck into only screwing somebody else's game over. <laughs> like yeah, his, yeah. All, all of Necro's good luck at the end did nothing for themselves and right. only crushed, you know, somebody else's odd chances to win, uh, kind of given the game to, to L1. but That's yeah, very that's, true. That's a wild one. Um, I
1: will say the trade triangle stuff they did too was very effective yeah. in... In that um, the Yin player, who was like directly across from McMac Moose, in uh, uh, who was played by uh, Smilingo, uh, in Gashfather, um, which Yin and Gashfather has been pr- a pretty potent combo that right. we, we, we've seen it a lot at this point, actually, maybe even too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really shut him out. Wow. I just want to stress that right. how much it how was little very money he
0: had all game.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. That he was arbitrarily cut out of deals. It was just like like the meta there was so brutal that I did not I did not realize that it, it was from like when when Mick Mac Moose was like, "Hey, let's have a meeting yeah. like or a secret conversation right away." I was like, "Oh, it looks like they're going to do a trade triangle." And then I just kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. But like they really did hold to that idea the whole time of like, "Listen, us on this side of the table, we get the we're money. good. Yeah. The rest of the table, not so good." Right. So the only people that Well, it's a great, it's a
0: great position. It's a great map to do that on because Mm -hmm. of the fact that that's how the three of you can actually get your money, right? Right. Everybody else is going to get their slices and have money. So what a, what better way to ensure that you level that playing field and give yourself a way better odd, uh, than by doing that by, by locking out and saying, Hey, look, these three slices don't win as much as the other three. let Let's Change that. Let's get some money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think it was like super, super smart play. um, and yeah it's um, it's hard to watch somebody like yin was like really close at times too and and even even with the fact that they were shutting him out Mm -hmm. um yin still had a shot so i just want to throw that out there to say that Smilingo, the table was playing against you (laughs) and you still almost made it happen like that's that's you know very good and that's something Uh, let's talk about
0: game number 30 the story of the lucky cat the inattentive fish and three little lion men on camdorn (laughs) Uh, This one was won by player John as hakan in turtles paradise this is a uh this is a semifinalist from last year john uh oh, so yes. uh someone's one of our one of our players who could have been targeted actually making it through a game so that's nice to see uh, oh
1: also hakan or uh sorry john was in uh hajon i almost called him uh, was in one of our oath games
0: I believe. oh yeah that's right Ep- our, our, episode our one. first yeah the one that we played by ourselves for the first time we had john and also super noteworthy turtles paradise win uh, of which there are only two. So uh, shares shares that with B. And the minus. other one is a
1: freaking Sardax.
0: Yeah, so who knows what's going on in Turtles Paradise? But Hakan actually feels like a faction that can that can do Turtle's Paradise, right? This this doesn't well, feel crazy. Well, I don't, crazy. but how did Hakan make it to
1: that? Like I don't know. what was the draft here, y'all? Right. Like, what did y'all do?
0: What did you do? So let's uh let's well, I I have a hunch because Kraken was also in this game and Kraken uh, to okay. mess up the draft. So let's let's get into it. This game started even before anybody loaded Tabletop Simulator. <laughs> Kraken wrote emails to the other players trying to convince them to let all the strong factions through the ban. He partially succeeded as Soul and And Hakan made it through. And uh Kraken was able to pick up pick up Jolnar and Lil Brother, forming a strong alliance with Jon as Hakon in Turtles Paradise, including a support for the throne swap between the cats and the fishes. Hakan got off to a good start, snatching the custodian point round two before Sol could, and also fighting off the incoming Soul fleet on Mechatol with only a carrier and a fighter. Soul helped here a bit by forgetting to use anti-fighter barrage. Ooh. Uh, meanwhile, the three warmonger factions at the table, Barony, Sardak and L one, Had their own little thing going on with Barony and Sardak both trying to convince the L1, who was sitting in the middle between those two factions, to attack the other neighbor with ongoing whisper chats. With a round three politics grab and a political stability action card, Hakan was then able to have Imperial both in rounds four and five and kept up uh, his scoring while having an eye on not painting a target on his back by running away point wise. He did this by not scoring in the status phase. That's interesting. So it's just yeah. using Imperial to score but not scoring the status phase to just like not look like as much of a target. That's crazy. Uh, at the beginning of round six, everybody was in contention for a win with Sardak at eight, Soul at six, and everybody else at seven. The tech alliance with Jolnar had given quantum data hub node to Hakon, and he was able to steal leadership from his buddy Jolnar by giving Jolnar warfare. With galvanized the people on the table and an easy to score making example of their home uh, of their world secret, Hakan had the victory in the bag. After Hakan empties the sky above his home planets, probably to score the secret objective, but I have no clear information on that. That's a, a note from Space Lawyer. L1 made a first attempt to take out the Cat's home system with two dreads and a cruiser going through the gravity rift. After one dread and with two infantry got eaten by the Always Hungry Rift, L1 misses with his bombardment rolls and also loses the one versus two ground combat against two angry cat soldiers. After Hakan was able to rebuild ground forces in his home system, the only one in range with a sufficient attack fleet is his buddy Jolnar. However, Jolnar is willing to attack the cats and sacrifice a support point, but is in fear that he's just going to give the win to another player because he's so late in the initiative order with warfare. So the table agrees on spending command counters and their planets, so that nobody could win besides Hakan in the status phase. And L1 even shows his secret to Jolnar to prove that he could only get to nine points. That is wild. <laughs> Negotiating a like, hey, listen, I'm not here to king make, so everybody's got to prove to me that they can't win. That's hilarious. Uh, Jolnar then rolls in with four dreadnoughts and six infantry. So there must have been a carrier, two cruiser twos, or something in there. Uh, anyways, they use the flank and spending uh sending two dreads through the rift and once again the rift protects hakan uh maybe they've thrown some juicy trade goods into the rift to yeah, satisfy the deal. rift gods yeah yeah uh, by killing the two dreads including two infantry the weakest defended planet in the hakan's home system was camdorn with five infantry on it um after the rebuild by the space cats Joel that's a well defended cats system by the way uh Going yeah, the- all in on—I mean, this is clearly a Jolnar. He probably got transit diodes early, so this is this is the transit diodes approach to defending your home system, right? Um, right. As Hakon, and it seems to be working quite well. Jolnar could bring his four surviving ground forces, and he has Techlar Legion, so the chances of winning the ground combat after bombardment are not that bad. He commits his four soldiers to Cambord and. He then notices that he forgot to bombard before committing the ground forces. And because it's tournament rules, the timing window for bombardment has closed. Ouchie, Yauchie. In the following Uh, combat uh. round, all four fish soldiers were killed and three little lion soldiers survive on Camdorn. With warfare in Jolnar's hands, the table is looking at the board state, searching for another opportunity to strike at Hakon's home system. Hakan could not risk to build out a warfare secondary because he would then be a viable target for insubordination and might not be able to score galvanize the people in the status phase. They find... Uh, Another Dreadnought in range, but there's no ground forces to bring, so Jolnar surrenders and passes without noticing that Sol could have given his faction promissory note to Jolnar to drop two ground forces beneath the Dreadnought. This was finally pointed out by a very happy and lucky Hakan player after Jolnar passed. Wow. Uh, That's wild. Um, uh, I I love seeing... Um, an endgame scenario be that Hakan has to keep their home system against all odds, and it work out for Hakon. That's crazy. I mean, if if there's any faction you don't want to be in that position, it's Hakon. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, I agree. So so very. I mean, very powerful play, obviously, by John here to to pull all of this off, especially with Soul and Jolnar in the game. Seeing seeing mm-hmm. a Hakon win from Turtles Paradise with Soul and Jolnar in the game is an accomplishment that cannot be ignored. Yeah, that's uh, fun. in my mind. So let's uh, all right, here we go. We got one more game this week. Uh, I wanted to give just before I do this one, too, I want to give a note on like what the next couple of weeks are going to look like, uh, because actually next weekend we will be finishing the tournament. Uh, March 1st is the last day of games. Everything is scheduled out. Uh, oh, well, but the prelims, the, the prelims, prelims. I'm sorry, not finish. the tournament, <laughs> but the prelims, uh, the prelims of the tournament. Um, but. Because of the timing of that and when Hunter and I will likely have to record and like how quickly we can get really good write ups of these games next week probably will not include write ups of all of the last of the prelims games. So there will probably be like two to three games that are owed The next week's episode we'll see but I just kind of wanted to give you a fair warning of like don't expect every single final prelim game to be in next week's episode
1: oh my god I can't believe that we're almost that that's a that's a reality that that we're almost in I know oh my god this is so crazy um
0: we should also say the current plan is to likely take one week off uh one weekend off I should say after the prelims finish which means the semis should be picking up on March 15th March 14th that weekend um and so semi-finalists should be keeping a very close eye on their email for a major scheduling email to come out. My goal is to schedule essentially all of the semis games in one email and uh, get get those knocked out within, you know, maybe four weekends. We'd like to double up some weekends if we can help it. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to try to knock everything out. So that's just some notes right here in the middle of these uh, tournament uh, updates. But here's game 31. This one I moderated, so I might have a little extra stuff to add in here as well. Uh, but this one's called Salty Soul Goes Ghostbusting, which is, oh, that's wonderful. Uh, Shorty 5-5 five five played as the Yin Brotherhood and won in the best one, which is, that's another tale as old as time, Yin winning in mm-hmm. best one. Um, is that the, is that a three-peat, a four-peat? Let's see. That's the That would be the third win from the Yin Brotherhood in the best one. And then mm-hmm. they have three wins in Gashfather as well, or just two. It looks like two. So, yeah, Yin, yeah. Yin doing very well in this tournament. Um, Yin but, is
1: like how Extra was right, last year. right? In which
0: I will still never understand why. I, I mean, I kind of understand why Extra did so well last year, but I don't fully understand it. But anyways, here's game 31. This game's draft phase went really interesting with the best one getting picked third and a player picking Winu in Daddy Warbucks. Uh, so our first winu of the tournament, and in a slice that honestly, okay, okay, winu mm-hmm. and Daddy Warbucks, I think works, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna see some of that come to fruition in this one. But Soul is in Speakeasy was public enemy number one from the get go, and gets held out of um, trade despite spending a command token to refresh himself and offering four for two trades to people. Finally, Soul manages to get into negotiations with Ghosts in Little Brother, who was sitting on their four commodities. But Ghosts was refusing to swap commodities in any way and also did not accept the offer of using military support twice and getting placed a wormhole through the IFFs for a wash of Soul's commodities. Basically, Soul kept coming to the table and being like, what about this? What about this great deal? What about this great deal? And the table was just like, nope, you're Soul. You're Soul and Speakeasy. We're we're not having it. We don't want to give you an inch. Uh, and they did not. And uh, it, it justifiably made the soul pretty annoyed because they were giving some pretty wild deals or offering up some wild deals. Um, So Ghost's whole plan was to trade with uh, the player, the the player in Gashfather, I believe. But then Mentak got himself into a position to pillage the ghosts, which made that trade much less viable. Basically, it was going to kind of screw over. The, it made the other player unwilling to do the trade because they would get uh, stolen from. So the ghost player decided to come back to the table with soul, They made a two-for-two two deal, plus military support, and the soul player thought that this deal included... This is one of those classic uh, m- miss negotiation like, n- people didn't quite track what the end deal was. The soul player thought the deal included himself getting washed for his two commodities that would be left over, and Ghosts using his promissory note after a time when soul would have no tokens in the strategy pool. The Ghosts uh, did not use military support on his turn, selling it later to the Mentak for their promise of protection also the ghost refused later to wash soul and ended oh, up making a one for one leaving soul with one commodity left over uh it was actually a very heated conversation and we kind of had to tone things down after that because soul was really fed up with being um based I mean, i'm not going to call it harassed but it was it was targeted trade uh banned you know by the table onto Seoul. soul they, they weren't getting right. away with anything at all Right. Nevertheless, both players remained really salty and frustrated about each other. In the meantime, Winu was able to take Mechatol Rex, their first action around two. Um, They actually took Anti-Mass as their first tech and they tech straight into Gravity Drive. And then uh, round one, they got lucky and the person to their left had politics and they were able they took trade round one, which I thought was a great pick. They were able to buy the speaker token from the politics person, and also those trade goods helped them actually do okay and within their slice. So the end of round one, they had kind of just like a solid, decent looking slice. They had gravity drive, they had the units they needed to take to Mekital Rex, and they were in a position to pick leadership round two, which they did do. So they just like had the perfect pathway to go take Rex. Uh It was it was kind of a perfect Winu play. Um, however, they're still Winu, and they got immediately punished by Mentak threatening their home system. Mm -hmm. After extorting a support for the throne out of Windu to not activate their home system, Mentak tries to take... Abyss Freya from Winnu by playing Unstable Planet, but gets sabotaged by Winu instead. In round 2 and 3, Sol decides to get rid of a spook problem by eating up Ghost's whole entire slice. He starts by taking Lodor and destroying the two Ghost PDS that were there, and then he uses Warfare to pull that token, and then takes Ghost's home system the next action. This leaves Ghosts only controlling Mehar Zul at the end of round 3. The ghost player basically resigned, pulled all tokens from their fleet supply, killing all the ships they had remaining, which left them with one ground force on Mehar Zul, And at the beginning around four, Sol eliminated the ghosts as an act of mercy because the ghost player did not want to participate in the game any longer. Uh, <sighs> so the first full elimination of the tournament um, by Soul onto the ghosts of Krius. Uh, while Wild. these moves makes Soul even more the enemy of the table, Yin is able to make several deals to score the hard objectives, three tech skips, four of the same trait, two adjacent to Mechatol. This sets Yin up for a four-point swing round in round four with Imperial to get him to six victory points. Sol manages to score pretty well, uh, despite being distracted by the ghost busting, while Mentak and Barony start to fall apart. Surprisingly, Winu is able to score on a regular basis to stay in the pack by holding on to Mechatol until round four. When the first stage two objectives uh, are revealed, Yin has their first shot at winning. Uh, they are sitting at eight to ni- 18 to 19 influence and therefore can score Galvanize the People six tokens easily. For some reason, the table decides to ease up even a little more by letting Yin get leadership, uh, putting them... Even though they were they were picking at third position, so third pick they still get leadership when Galvanize the People came out. Kind of wild, uh, despite the fact that Yin had not yet scored lead from the front. The other token point, so this leads to Yin being able to buy eight command tokens and have every single command token on their sheet, as well as being first in scoring order. Yin tries to go for it all by first vaporizing a single MentaK cruiser with their PDS two to score turn their fleets to dust. Luckily for Yin, Soul puts their flagship in. Uh, Yin's range whilst they themselves were scoring unveil flagship and this this gives Yin their opportunity so they were at 6, they get to 7 with turn their fleets to dust, they have galvanized the people on lockdown to get them to 9 so they're literally just looking for their 10th point and their 10th, their other secret objective is destroy their greatest ship and that flagship literally just came into their airspace so they send 3 cruiser 2's to try and destroy um, the sole flagship but they had impulse core and decided not to sacrifice the cruiser at the start of the combat because uh, the flagship only had two fighters and Yin had a morale boost. So he thought he could just kind of fight through it anyways. The plan fails because Yin only scores two hits and the flagship is able to retreat. Basically, the soul uh, saw the target coming and knew that if they retreated, uh, it wouldn't destroy the ship, which would mean that the po- uh, the player could not get the the point, you know, off of the secret objective. So, um, The first thing to mention going into round six then, because he uh, so Yin is at nine points and Winu is a serious contender for the win, sitting at seven victory points, being able to score galvanize the people and one secret, having his home system well defended and getting leadership. So this this was a round where if it had gone to the status phase, the Winu probably would have won this game um but on the other side yin has two clear paths to victory their first attempt is to take imperial and score lead from the front and win on their first action with a really well defended home system but uh imperial gets publicly disgraced by seoul so then uh they have to grab diplomacy instead and winu has the only opportunity to stop yin by attacking the yin fleet that is in range of seoul's flagship but they don't see it so yin gets to a uh, make a second attempt to attack the genesis and they do destroy it winning on their first action with destroy their greatest ship um wow. so a yin versus winu toss-up in the final round which is just like as juicy as it gets um yeah it was it was very cool uh the player that played as winu cl- came into it very clearly kind of being like hey i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna get weird today because i just want to see winu on the board and, and i think i think think we can pull it off and they they had a really strong showing as winu but it's hard to stop a yin in the best one that doesn't get targeted for most of the game yeah yeah yeah. Uh, the the contention between soul and Ghost sent soul in the complete other direction which meant yin had all the time in the world to just build up this kind of like unstoppable position
1: yeah i uh i just want to call out um one of you know one of the best things that we have gotten out of the tournament is game five from the prelims of the tournament last year, uh, which is- The only win winu. win The win o win is what it's called. Uh, I just want to call out, hey, Space Wizard. Actually, has Space Wizard played in the tournament uh, this year? I think
0: he did. I don't, I don't remember if he played or couldn't make it in. Um, uh, okay. But he didn't well, make it through.
1: I want to just say thank you again to Space Wizard- <laughs> From last for, year. From last year. I was thinking about- like. Right away, when you told me somebody picked Winu, I was like, "Please, yeah, let it let happen. it be. Come on, Winu, Winu two, yes, electric Winu, <laughs> whatever it's got to be, whatever it's got to be. That's still part of the <laughs> part of the subtitle yeah. for w- whatever for it's got to win- be. <laughs> Winu, Winu two, whatever it's got to be. But it, we did not get that. Um, so, and that's to throw this out to any of the people that are gonna still play yep. in the prelims. Do it, coward." Give us a win a win please. Give it to us. I believe in you. Yeah, I believe in you. Make it happen. I know
0: there's one game right now where there is a player that has messaged the email and done a similar thing to Kraken, which is like, hey, come on, let's all be good factions. Let's just do it. Just let Saur, Jolnar, let them all in. I get the thing, though, where the last player looks at it and goes, yeah, but not Saur. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That seems inevitable in every situation. So I think Kraken's game is as good as it gets. You see Sol, Jolnar, Hakan, you know, necro get through and then mm. the last player goes and they say, "Yeah, this was all fun and everything, but like I'm the one who's going to get swallowed up by Sar, so right. no thanks. I'm good." Right. Let's right. let's go ahead and ban them.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. That was fun. I feel uh very excited to to move on to the mm-hmm. semifinals of the tournament. Um just to kind of remind everybody so you can all start gearing up and getting excited.
0: We will be, sh- uh, yeah. streaming oh, the yeah. tournament and worth, it worth will be noting. on YouTube.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Both, both. It'll be streamed and then those streams will get uploaded to the YouTube for all yeah. of the semis and obviously the finals, the finals. I'm getting very, we're starting to put together the like grandiose plans of the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very excited for this year's finals. Uh, last year, last year's finals were the biggest stream we've ever done. Right. It's, it was the, like yes. the most people were there. It's like such an active game. People really turn up and we're really trying to lean into that this year. Um, right. so we're really hoping to make a show out of it, um, for, for this year's finals. And I'm, I'm just very, very excited. So please, please tell your friends and your neighbors and your mothers and your best, you know, your worst. Enemies. Everybody get everybody, everybody in yeah. there to, to watch those finals. We'll have a date. Um, sh- partway into the semis like basically once we have all of the semis games schedules confirmed then mm-hmm. we can look at that and set a proper date for the finals i think we've already kind of aimed for what did we say hunter april 18th is the goal yep so yep. We're, we're pushing for a a day game on april 18th which is a saturday that's not guaranteed yet that can change depending on if the semis are just like a a huge pain in the butt to schedule, you know, that might delay things, but we've given ourselves as big a window of time as we can. So April 18th being the finals should stick. And we'll have a time, uh, a specific time for that settled uh, further on. Once we have the finalists decided.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. And I'm just excited for, I'm, I just like scrolled down the list of our semifinalists. It's crazy. Um, It's such a good mix of old, like old, like people that we know about people that we don't know about Mm It's a very. I was even. I was looking at the uh, how how different are all the competitors from last year, and I actually feel like, you know, if you use the finals and the semifinals from last year as a guide it kind of looks like a lot of people are not coming back basically from from last year as far as like we're not getting the same list of semifinalists. but if you look through those games and I see a lot of second place finishers from the first tournament that are first place finishers in the prelims of this tournament so clearly there are people that played in the tournament stuck with it and then we yeah we just have all these new faces as well so I'm so excited to kind of get to know these finalists I'm Um, looking
0: forward to doing more to kind of get everybody like we don't what we don't have have from last year is that two round semis right we had yes. we actually had two games with 15 of the 18 semi-finalists last year which was yes. very very good in forming stories. So we that's been kind of a thing to figure out is like, well, how do we make sure everybody has like a good story going into this? And my goal is to have a little bit of extra stuff about each of our 36 players in the semifinals, right? Yes. I want yes. I want going into each finals to you know, on the show or even just on the stream having like a blurb for each of them, you know, right? We want to yep. know um if if anything too we'll we'll start sending out and trying to get like each player's tagline or something. But we'll also pull from like the games that they won and all that, but I want I want to build that momentum around like, who are these players? How did they get to where they are? You know, who, who's, who's the, who are the wild cards that won through crazy shenanigans? Who are the players that won through just steady, consistent, perfect play? Mm -hmm. Who are Mm -hmm. the ones that were in just those weird games? It's just like, oh, suddenly it's kind of over and -and so-and-so won. And so we don't actually have a good readout on like what kind of player they are compared to the other, you know, there's, there's just so many variables that go into this and I'm, I'm very excited to see how all, all that bounces off of each other.
1: Yeah, that's gonna uh, that's gonna be super fun. Um, I want to throw out some 100 uh, Donaldson fan club stuff. Um, I uh, am going to be granting everyone access to the archive, which is not something I've done thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh, the archive is a folder on Google Drive, where we'll keep all of the past 100 Donaldson fan club streams. Uh, the one we, that we did. Uh, was uh, super fun. Uh, also, got really weird. Uh, it was a very drinky stream. Yeah. Uh, I say that not necessarily for to about me. I, I had I had no drinks. Um, but our mod team certainly did get pretty drunk. Yeah. Didn't they? I
0: tuned in for a little bit of that stream, and it was off the handle. It was a yeah. lot of that thing where someone has gotten tipsy and TI, and they're just sort of like. No, I'm voting for Ixthian. No, I'm doing it. I'm doing right. it. You can't right. stop me. Nothing right. will stop me. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. I, this game has stopped having meaning, I guess. <laughs> right, right. Um, next
1: episode, uh, I will have the new uh, the new options for Hunter Dawson fan club night uh, for March. Uh, that will be uh, super fun. Overall, we got. Uh, we need. Oh, you know what we need though. We need feedback on the semifinal map because that is something we're working on that we need to figure out. So if you're interested in playing on the semifinal map, please hit up our Discord uh, and test it and give us feedback. I might Uh, actually
0: have a new version of it out by the time this episode is posted. If I don't, it'll be within the next day or so. But we need to get like an update to that and have that tested. So be keeping your eye on the Discord for maybe a new version of that map um, that will get pinned in the Patreon tournament chat.
1: Yes, um, and you've got uh, five day or four days left uh, to vote on the Galactic Council episode mm-hmm. for March. Um, I thought going into this that Hunter and Matt's lead strategies for winning the tournament was gonna win handily. <laughs> oh, yeah. but it is actually a really tight race Ooh. right now. So so your two options are Hunter and Matt's lead strategies for winning the tournament. And the other one is Hakan versus Mentak. Um, so get in there. Uh show us your vote. Uh there's been sixty-five votes thus far. I know we've got a lot more galactic counselors than that. Um, so yeah, please let us know. You've got, you know, four or five days, depending mm-hmm. on no, you've got four days. If you're hearing you're hearing this on a Tuesday, you got four. You got four days. Go for it. Uh, I want to thank
0: our Space Kitties and Weird Bears. I want to thank our Weird Bears Ponchadori, Fargonis, TG Welch, and I want to thank our Space Kitties Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Umar. Uh Polly sorry you changed your name so I have to I need to update that uh, but it's polyphony Requiem is that right Yes yes okay I think great that's right um, Julian R Necro Necrofirewall and Kraken
1: yes um, twitch and YouTube updates. Uh, obviously we are the the semifinals is going to be coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, so be go ahead and start getting excited about that. Um I am currently uploading uh a video of Matt playing as extra. Uh it's
0: a pro yeah, I game. Hate, I hate that you did that. How dare it's I, you professional yeah. Twilight Imperium. <laughs> no from Matt. I failed so spectacularly. You've you've trolled me, and with no evidence that it's a troll, you've just only called it a pro game, and now I look like an absolute boob. You play very good, and it's (laughs) a
1: really exciting game. Play it or watch it. You'll learn so much about Extra, Um, and uh, just kind of examples of good play, It's something to kind of build your own strategy around. I'm torturing him now. Um, But yeah, uh, check it out. Um, I'm going to be uploading that in a couple parts. Uh, Part one and uh, maybe even part two is probably available by the time you hear this um and there'll probably be another part in like a day or two. So, hey, you should you rate
0: our podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes or wherever else, uh but give us a five-star rating and say how much you love the show and how much you love This time don't get weird about it. I feel like we've got a lot of weird reviews at this point and people might look at those reviews and be like, "What is this show? It's about moving and also movies and it's also about uh sports and cars and I don't I'm confused." Uh so maybe this time, just this week only, Talk about Twilight Imperium in your review of Space Gets Peace Turtles. I don't no, know. No, no, you don't like No, 100? How dare you? Okay, how? instead, let's talk about Knives Out real quick. Okay, um,
1: so uh, <laughs> it's a five star movie. Okay, uh, and I think what you should do is—it's uh, just what a pleasing movie. What, what a, a movie, movie that just makes you happy. Um, proof I, that
0: proof that uh, Disney pull you know jumped ship on Ryan Johnson too quick, right?
1: Uh huh. Right? Uh huh. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's laughing all the way to the bank now, um, or I guess, or no, probably not. I mean, I it was love, Star Wars
0: I, money. He lost Star Wars money, so yeah. I whatever. love that in the same week that Knives Out was out, uh, the new Star Wars was coming out, and the the Rotten Tomatoes between those two movies is a delicious little Oh, that's <laughs> fun of, to look that's at. That's a time capsule that should exist sure.
1: forever. Um, so, yeah, I think, here's what you do. Here's the game. Here's the game. So since this show is um, in the same realm as Knives Out, ooh, is that the most uh, arrogant thing I've ever said? Uh, (laughs) Oh
0: my god! Give
1: give us five stars, but in your review, Mm -hmm. review the film Knives Knives Out. Out. Like, and don't say that it's Knives Out. Just give (laughs) us five stars and say Daniel Craig (laughs) pretending to be. Uh,
0: it's I'm southern- not kidding. The best part of that movie is when he looks almost directly into camera and just says, I suspect foul play. <laughs> that, is, that is that movie in a nutshell and how good I think, it is.
1: Honestly, I think the best part is when Daniel Craig starts talking for the first time. And you're like, oh, he's like putting on a funny voice yeah. and that's not his real voice in the movie. Oh, and no, then you realize so that that is his character, that's what he's playing, and then you really start paying attention. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, this movie's not screwing around. Uh let me let I, I It's yeah, not screwing I,
0: around while at the same time doing nothing but screwing around.
1: Oh, it's so fun. Oh. It's man. what a what a fun you you so rarely get a movie like Knives Out yep. where it's not that it's not showing you something you've never seen before. Right. It's not in a lot of like a lot of ways you would try and qualify like a movie being remarkable. It isn't. No. It's just good. Right. It's just someone sat down and we're like, you know what, we're just gonna make a quality movie that just it just pleases. It just mm-hmm. comes over. It's just like a friend that comes over to your house and you're like, God, I love it when you come over. You're yeah. just great. You're just you should fun. also
0: look up pictures online. The uh Grip and Electric department had these absolutely ridiculous rigs on that movie. Uh, oh yeah. So there's a whole thing in that movie about the reflections in people's uh, glasses and stuff. Uh, the the mm-hmm. main one being um, what's her name, um, the the main woman um, that I'm forgetting her name from. Oh, oh no, I don't, how, how can I, I do don't know Halloween? The- what's her name? Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Thank you so much. I I had J and I couldn't figure out the rest. But Jamie Lee Curtis has very prominent glasses, and yes. in the shots of her. Uh, the reflection of the rest of the room is very prominent in her glasses. And that's something that's incredibly difficult to achieve on like a film set where like, hey, the glasses are going to reflect. And you know what's on the other side of the person? The film crew, not the rest of the room at all. A big camera and 40 people. Um, So they built these big, crazy contraptions that are... uh, they could shine the light through it, but then it would still give the reflection in her glasses that looked like the rest of the room. It's just these absolutely goofy, like, fake pseudo window things that then the camera's, like, hiding behind. Oh, it's not, like, shot.
1: it's it's not a digital effect? Nope. They're not, like, they did it all oh. Pra-
0: yeah, they did this, this fun, practical reflection gag that is oh, uh, really so- just a, a charmer. Uh, that's so great so big big fan of that big fan of uh all the things that went into making that movie anyways yeah. follow us on twitter at space cats pod face you know all the places face back uh, every week <laughs> why does that happen uh, and join you our gotta discord hit us up on the face back <laughs> get involved in the conversations on the discord uh the semis or the the prelims are actually coming to a close here so this is your last week to like be a part of the prelims games as they happen uh, and then it'll just be all semis conversation. So, so come hang out with us. And, uh, yeah. So Hunter, what is your, um, five star review? If it was one sentence of Knives Out, what does it say?
1: Um, it's weird that we're talking about this movie so far. After I know it it's came like out. three
0: months after it came out. Two months I after mean, it, it is still,
1: out. you can still go see it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I guess so. It Ooh. is maybe. Oh, wait, can we talk about what? a different thing? I don't care about your review yeah, yeah. anymore. Well, yeah, I'm going to go see parasite in imax this week because they have it in imax for one week only uh, interesting so that rules that's gonna be a fun thing I you get haven't to do. seen it yet though i haven't seen it yet oh that's that's what a yeah. what a what a treasure do you do you still um
1: do you haven't like spoiled the movie nope, for yourself i haven't seen all, a right? single thing the only thing oh, i've seen God, about that movie
0: it. is like the the short clips they showed at the oscars which honestly didn't give away much um yeah uh, so yeah, I've I've read almost nothing about it. I've watched almost nothing about it. I refuse to know anything about that movie before going to see it. So yeah, can't oh, wait. Oh,
1: I'm I'm very excited for you. Um, it is, you know, I mean, you there are probably people in the audience that are like, I'm sick of hearing about this movie. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? Go see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, just go see it. Just, just go see it. it.
1: It's it's so great. It's uh, it's 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 one of those few times where like 2019 was so good for movies. There were so many great movies that came out and parasite was the de facto best. It was just the one that made the most sense for it to be best. You
0: you um upset one of my other close friends that you aren't as familiar with, but at my birthday party this year, you shouted at them, "Why isn't Parasite your favorite movie of 2019?" Now <laughs> that's such a what that's such a good take, uh, such a good assertion to have to push on somebody else. Why isn't this your favorite? You must justify that. Well, it now
1: that you're kind of mischaracterizing. Oh, it. am I? Because okay. here here's here's what happened. <laughs> I he asked me mine, and I said parasite, and then he kind of looked at
0: me like that was weird. And oh, to okay. me, I was like, I that's see. like right. it so was then your reaction was, Well, why isn't it yours? I don't understand. Right, like, what a like, reaction.
1: To me, th- last year, parasite is just the most obvious answer to that question. And I realized like there's this thing that people do. Where they feel like something's too obvious, where they're like, "No, I'm going to say something else instead," and I just think that's lame. I think sometimes, (laughs) like, sometimes the answer is obvious, Mm -hmm. you know. And this was not to me in film. This was not a year where there it it was so not obvious what movie kind of captured everyone's imagination Mm -hmm. and did feel like uh like a revelation because I mean basically you know uh Bong has has been making yeah yeah, has been making movies like this for a long time with all these same themes yeah he's like but you know last year he made the one the one like he perfected that craft it's gonna Mm -hmm. be really interesting to see what he does next because thematically what is he just gonna like keep going down the same road is like because to me it feels like he made kind of the perfect version of a movie that he's already made before right right um yeah, so it's gonna be really interesting to see what he does now, and obviously he's gonna have a lot of resources to do whatever it is he's gonna do next. So. so,
0: anyways, that was 20 minutes of rundown. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> I'm so the, sorry. I'm cue so the sorry. No, that's okay. I was right there with you, buddy. But I'm literally about to. We're I'm, fading uh, out. The music starting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles and thanks to Brian Kapilis for the use of his music. You can find more at wanderinglake.bandcamp.com The spice must flow.